Is inflation taking a bite out of your grocery budget? Andrews Federal Credit Union is here to help. Introducing our Inflation Buster Share Certificate with 5% APY for seven months, now through December 2nd. Bring your money to Andrews Federal Credit Union today. The Inflation Buster account must be open with new money. Andrews Federal Credit Union membership is not just for the military. We also serve the community. Visit andrewsfcu.org. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership eligibility required. APY equals annual percentage yield. Must have $1,000 minimum balance to earn advertised APY. Jazzcast Pros. We learned that there was an increase, 47% increase of suicide by black males, 25 to 34, black females, 25 to 34, 59% increase in suicide. As we think about health equity and commitment here at the Buffalo Center for Health Equity is to, to create a community of care. And certainly this is a crisis. I just think it is, especially this time right now, is an opportunity to really do all that we can to break down the barriers, break down the stigma, and give people space to be able to talk about mental health, talk about mental illnesses, talk about suicide, and talk about what it means to live. And to do that in a a way that is supportive and allows the individual to still feel whole, even though they they may be going through a difficult time. Welcome to Igniting Hope Radio, where we realize the differences between equity and equality. Here at the Buffalo Center for Health Equity, quite frankly, we don't want equality, we want equity. Here in Buffalo, New York, 12 years of life is lost by each person living in specific areas of Buffalo because of their race. 0% of health should be determined by where a person lives. We want equity. The only way to change hearts and minds is through emotional engagement, to get people behind it, and continuously support the concept with facts. This is our aim and our mission weekly as you join Pastor George on Igniting Hope Radio. Hello, good morning, good day, good afternoon, whatever time of the day that you're tuning in. Thank you for tuning in to Igniting Hope Radio Podcast. It's your co-host, Kimberly Slugarambe, with Pastor George F. Nicholas, and we have a very special guest today, someone who is no stranger to the Buffalo community, someone who is no stranger to advocacy and mental health. Kelly Marie is the founder and principal of Front Seat Life LLC, an organization dedicated to eliminating barriers to mental health and wellness. Her dedication to mental health and health equity has given her the opportunity to be an instrumental asset in the development of the Buffalo Center for Health Equity and the UB Community Health Equity Research Institute. Kelly is dedicated to ensuring all people have the same opportunity to live a healthy life no matter where they live, work, play, or worship. Thank you so much and and welcome to uh, Igniting Hope podcast. Uh, This is Pastor George Nicholas, and it's always an honor and a privilege to come before you. And and I thank you first for just taking the time for logging on and listening to what we believe will be some information that is very important to you. As some of you may know, um, I'm a graduate of Ohio State University. I had opportunity to to run track there, participate in sports and I was really struck this week by an, an article I saw, and it's in alignment with some things that we've really been thinking about. Uh, I was really since uh, I heard about the suicide of Kevin Ward, the 44-year-old African-American mayor of Hyattsville, Maryland, and then Chesley Chris, the former Miss USA, uh, who was 30 years of age, who, who died. And, and so recently, there was a football player at Ohio State University, a guy named Harry Miller. 
and he's only 22 years of age. He had played for four years there and had another year of eligibility coming up. He disclosed to his coach that he was really going through some very difficult times and uh, had actually tried to end his own life and decided that he would forego his football career and football playing and and really pay attention to what was going on with him. And it's very proud of the university that, you know, the program surrounded this man with love and, and giving him the help and the support. But it made me think about this uptick in suicide for young people uh, across ethnic backgrounds. Uh, out at Stanford, there was a woman, young lady, white girl named Katie Meyer, Katie Meyer, who was 22 years of age at Stanford University soccer team, uh, really on top of her game. And she committed suicide a few weeks ago. And just hearing the pain and the anguish and the sound of the parents' voices and had no idea what this young lady was going through. And then when you look about what's going on in our community, the African-American community, well, certainly suicide knows no no ethnic bounds. But historically, African-Americans have been a little less likely, especially our young people, to, to go down that road. But when they did some study of the data last from about 2013 to 2019, and we learned that there was an increase, 47% increase of suicide by black males, 25 to 34. And then with our black women, black females, 25 to 34, 59% increase in suicide. And so... Uh, you know, as we think about health equity and commitment here at the Buffalo Center for Health Equity is to, to create a community of care to really address the social determinants of health. And certainly this is a crisis. And so I want to invite into our conversation now a good friend of mine, Kelly Walford, who has recently been appointed to be the director of Erie County Department of Health Equity and a really important position for our community. She's a woman that is a professional, but she also has a great heart and passion for issues around uh, not only the physical health, but the mental health of our community. And in particular, those who find themselves in crisis and maybe to the point where they feel like the only option they may have is to, to end their own life. And so I wanted to kind of invite her into the conversation now, talk a little bit about, you know, what's going on around the issue of, of suicide and self-harm, how it relates to mental health, how it relates to social determinants of health, and also share some information with you that would help us uh, move forward on this. So, Thank you, Pastor George. You know, it is a heavy topic and people often don't want to and refuse to talk about suicide for several reasons. Um, one, they think that talking about suicide will cause someone to take their own life, right? And, and that's a myth. That's actually the opposite of what talking about suicide does. And the other, you know, people feel shame for talking about suicide and mental health issues. And I just think it is, especially this time right now, is an opportunity to really do all that we can to break down the barriers, break down the stigma, and give people space to be able to talk about mental health, talk about mental illnesses, talk about suicide, and talk about what it means to live. And to do that in a, a way that is supportive and allows the individual to still feel whole, even though they, they may be going through a difficult time. When we do talk about suicide, what we don't talk about 
is the amount of times that people try to take their life, to die by suicide. And there are more people, it's estimated, um, I believe it's for every one completed suicide, there are 25 attempts. And women make more attempts than men. Men use more fatal um, methods to die by suicide than women. And, you know, that is believed to be why their completion rate is, is so much higher than that of women. We have all of these folks walking around who have been in this dark place and are not getting help. You know, they are ashamed. They don't know where to go. They don't know who to talk to, but they're still walking around with these feelings, with the inability to to really talk. So this hopefully will give people the one knowledge, you know, into the understanding and, and knowing that it's okay to ask for help, to talk about their mental health, to talk about suicide, to talk about um, self-harm, wanting to harm oneself and uh, what that means to them and, and to their families and to, to the rest of us, to the community. So, you know, we think about, you know, trying to respond and, and what we're trying to do here with the Buffalo Center for Health Equity is, is to respond to uh, this crisis uh, that's happening all around the country and certainly it's here in, in Western New York. We're in the middle of a, a, like a four-part conversation around mental health, self-harm, suicide, uh, called You Are Not Alone. You know, social isolation has been a big part of our experience for all of us over these last couple of years of COVID-19. And so it's very, very important that you know, even those the statistics that we we quoted was prior, it was pre-COVID. So, and we know that there's been an, an uptick in suicide as it relates to what's been the stress and trauma of dealing with this pandemic. And so we if you, uh, would invite folks to, to go onto our website, buffalohealthequity.org, buffalohealthequity.org, and register for these conversations on Thursday evenings at 6 p.m. And we'll have some really outstanding uh, speakers that will share some really important information because one of the key things we have to do, Kelly, is to, to break the stigma. You know, you can't solve problems in our community if we continue to ignore them or to to act like somehow they'll fix themselves or act like somehow it doesn't apply to you that, oh, this would never happen in my family or this would never happen to anybody that I know. And so can you talk a little bit about, one, uh, having challenges with mental health does not necessarily mean you're suicidal. So that's Let's let's get that clear. It can be a relationship there, but it's not you know necessarily an all time relationship. And also, just the how do we, you know, where does this stigma about dealing with what what's going on with us, uh, where does it come from, and how do we overcome it? You know, those are um, excellent questions, and they don't have easy answers. When we talk about mental health and suicide, you know, research shows that at the time of uh, suicide or a suicide attempt, the individual has a higher percentage, higher likelihood of experiencing a, a mental health crisis. Um, in addition to them being suicidal, they are experiencing a mental health illness uh, uh, more than just the suicidal crisis. That doesn't mean that they're aware of it. 
because oftentimes people who don't have a diagnosis are not aware that they're in the midst of a mental illness um, or an episode, so to speak. Their family and friends may not see it. They may not know. But we do know that that is, you know, that's that's the case for many people. When they do attempt suicide or die by suicide, they have an active mental health episode in addition to being suicidal. That being said, most people with mental illness do not attempt suicide. They don't die by suicide. So we know that mental illness is not the cause of suicide or suicidal ideation. Otherwise, even though the numbers are high, the numbers would be much higher, right? And then when you consider the Black community and our need to be strong, our need to you know, always be resilient, to not ask for help, to be able to, to take on life and, and the world and, and carry the weight of the world on our shoulders, it's very much a cultural thing. Suicide is something, regardless of culture, regardless of ethnicity and background, is something that people just don't talk about even more so in the black community. You know, we have these um, little sayings like black don't crack, and that is not only not true, but it's not helpful. We can't continue to perpetuate and use sayings to downplay our need for help, right? We have to be comfortable and okay saying, I need help. And that begins by those like myself, you know, like you, like others who openly speak about mental health and mental health challenges, that they experience in an open way. I'll say it this way, for those of us, because everyone is built differently, for those of us that God has given the ability to speak out loud, we need to use our voice. For those of us that maybe have the need to help others that are in need, but it may not be through telling their own story, but maybe it's volunteering, maybe it's being a peer support specialist, you know, maybe it is, you know, being uh, the person at church that people can turn to, you know, you need to do that. We all have a way in which we can be more empathetic in a way in which we can begin to break down stigmas and barriers. Some people, you know, they give hugs, right? That's, that's the only thing, even though they're in a mental health or maybe experiencing or live with a mental health condition that they're able to do to help other people, right? Whatever it is you're able to do to help other people, you need to do. That's why we're here. We are social beings by nature. And so we need the support of community. We need the support of friends and family. And it begins by um, also being open and empathetic about all things, not just about suicide and mental illness. So if I'm going through something not related to suicide or mental illness, and the response of my family and friends is, oh girl, you'll be all right, or it's not that bad, don't worry about it, when I am in crisis, I already know what they're going to tell me. They're going to tell me it's not that bad. They're going to tell me it's going to be all right. They're going to tell me not to worry about it. So we have to be more open and empathetic and listen and be there and be supportive when there isn't a crisis. So that when there is a crisis, someone feels comfortable and safe going to a family member or loved one and letting them know that they need help. Trauma is part of the... Black American experience. You know, we were brought here in a very traumatic way. And our existence through enslavement and, and even as free people in this country, we've just been constantly inundated with a society that undervalues our basic humanity and have tried to rob us of our spirituality, of our 
our identity, our name, uh, even stealing our sexuality and, uh, and the ability for black women and black men to own their own sexual behavior and activities. And so this has been part of our, our experience and it's been generational. And I believe that it's just created this constant sense of, of stress that just being black in America is a stressful experience. It's a stressful existence because of structural and institutional racism and because of all the microaggressions that we have to face on a day-to-day -day basis. One of the things that, that I've, over the last few years, have made it my intentional practice to be much more aware of my own mental health, my own sense of how I feel about myself, how I feel about the things around me, the people in my life. You know, I was an athlete in my, for a lot of years in my life. And so I always practice good physical care. But now as I've matured and grown and have a much better understanding of myself, it's very important that I put that same kind of attention into my own mental well-being, mental health, paying attention of how I'm feeling mentally and emotionally. If there are times when I'm not feeling like myself, to pay attention to that, to not ignore it, to not say, well, you know, it's just one of them days. But to be really present with my own feelings and, and try to search, you know, what's driving these things and, and then taking that time to, to care for, for where I am mentally. You know, Kelly, can you kind of share a little bit why it's important for us to, you know, that sense of self-awareness about how we are feeling, why that's so important for us to pay attention to that? Well, it's important because we need to know our own personal baseline, right? In order to know if we are not feeling well mentally, physically, we need to know what feeling well feels like, right? And so for me, you know, I, I live with several mental health diagnoses, borderline personality disorder, depression, and anxiety. I need to know what baseline healthy Kelly is and, and, and what that feels like so that I can, and I have a checklist, so that I can be aware of when I may be entering an episode or a crisis, but if I don't take the time to learn me, it is more difficult for me to be able to identify when I'm in crisis or identify when I need help before reaching crisis. I never want to be in a, in a position of crisis. But if I can't identify when things are you know, in a downward spiral, then I'm pretty much doomed. right? I'm, I'm going to end up in crisis because I don't know when to implement all of my self-help tools. You know, a lot of times people brush off the feeling of the blues, for example, as a temporary thing. And for most folks, it is temporary, but you need to be aware of it in case it is not, right? And so being self-aware, being able to take stock of our own mental health is imperative. I often tell people there is a difference between mental health and mental illness, just like there's a difference between physical health and physical illness, I'm at a place where I can live a mentally healthy life, even though I am mentally ill. Just like someone with diabetes can have diabetes that is, you know, controlled, you know, through diet and exercise, they can live a physically healthy life, even though they may have a physical illness. But we have to be able to take stock of who we are and where we are. We have to know what triggers us. We have to be able to set boundaries. 
you know, one of the things that's big in our community is this notion that blood is thicker than water. I'm going to tell you right now, I will leave my family where they stand if I feel as though they are endangering my mental health. My mental health comes first. It has to. Otherwise, I can't be here for anybody else if I can't be here for myself. I encourage people to really get to a place where they can be okay with being themselves, okay with setting boundaries, okay with saying no, and okay with removing themselves from toxic situations, regardless of who they're in that toxic situation with. It could be your mother, it could be your child, it could be your best friend, it doesn't matter. It's easy for us to kind of check a stranger, but not so much so when it's someone that we love and care about. But our mental health is the only thing that we can control. We are, we're the only ones that can control that process, those steps, so to speak. We just really want to find a place of healing for our community. Uh, and we're really desperately trying to build this a community of care. When people are, are feeling broken, feeling like uh, they're at proverbial wit's end, that they know that there's somewhere that they can go. There's something they can connect to. Uh, that's why we said that you are not alone. And, and we're going to give you the numbers for crisis services and other places where, so if you're listening to this and you're feeling like, yeah, you know, I'm in a tough spot, right? Right in this moment. And I need some, I need to talk to someone. There, there are people in community that, that are available to you. And then for those of us who encounter folks who are going through the trauma of life, to not stigmatize them, to not label them, to not criminalize them, but to, to learn how to be present with people while they're going through these, could be an episode or it could be a continual struggle with depression and just an emotional unwellness. But we as a community, we have to be able to care for one another. We have to be able to, to no longer be in denial of the realities of the potential for people to, that you might see one moment and you have no idea how close they are to saying, well, there's no point of continuing my life. So I will just end it here. We have to help our brothers and sisters who are in those moments. And so that's why I want to just reiterate one more time that and invite you to join us on Thursdays at 6 p.m. for our You Are Not Alone conversation around mental health, around trauma, around self-harm. We'll have some information about how we can do some mindfulness training, some things that we can do to help ourselves and help our, our neighbors, and also places where we can go and, and get some more intense counseling and treatment. And if you are not a trained person on these issues, please don't try to engage in, in intensive therapeutic relationships with people. Point them to the place where they can get the proper support and then support them while they're in that. You know, be present with them when they're going through their counseling. So buffalohealthequity.org, please log on to our website. And then Kelly, why don't you share the number? If someone is, is in right now in this moment, says, I need to talk to somebody about this. They're, they're talking about me right now. And, and I need to, to talk to someone right now. Who would they call? If you are in need of someone to talk to you right now, you're in, in crisis, you can call the National Suicide Prevention Helpline. That number is 
773-8255 or you can text 741-741 and um, you'll be connected to a trained crisis counselor. Those numbers are free. They're available 24-7 and they're 100% confidential. So you don't have to worry about anybody finding out, you know, that you called or anything like that. If it's an imminent, you know, emergency, please go to your nearest emergency room or dial 911 because we never want to be in a position where we're missing an opportunity to save a life. And if you're in a household where a lot of pretty intense medication laying around and you have someone in your household that's you know, going through some some difficult times right now. Secure those potential tools of committing suicide so that in a moment of a reflexive moment, when a person feels like, well, that's, that's all there is. In a reflexive moment, they won't be able to successfully act on their impulse to do something, to complete an action that might end their life. So this is Pastor George Nicholas from Buffalo Center for Health Equity and our Igniting Hope podcast, inviting you to, again, join us on Thursday evening at 6 p.m. for virtual conversation around self-harm, around our mental health, around suicide, and what we can do to, to help ourselves and, and help others. Uh, so please just log on to our website, register, and we'll send you all the information on how you can join us in the conversation on Thursday evening. And if you have any you know, other questions or comments about anything you're hearing on our podcast, please uh, send us a note through our buffalohealthequity.org website, and we would be happy to, to respond to you best that we can. I'd like to thank again our guest, who's not really a guest, it's a, a partner, collaborator in, in our work to, to bring good health, physical, mental, emotional for our community, Kelly Wolford. And uh, we just appreciate all of you for listening to us. Uh, we love you and we look forward to our next conversation. Well, it's been Ignite and Hope Radio. It's your host, Kimberly Slugarambe. Thank you for tuning in for your weekly dose of hope. And we ask you listeners to please share, like, subscribe, whether it be on Spotify, Apple, whatever your podcast listening platform is, share it with a friend and tell us what you think. Until next time, stay safe, stay well, and be healthy. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive, who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm gonna do this to protect myself. Do it for them, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforumc.org. This time of year, you double down on cheer. So does Dunkin'. That's why they have twice the signature lattes with minty peppermint mocha and creamy toasted white chocolate, both handcrafted with rich espresso. Grab one today. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. At Start With Sleep, the parent company to the Doze, we're looking to simplify the process of getting you consistent and better sleep. So we're excited to unveil a unique approach to home sleep testing as part of our new model. Our unique device, unlike traditional options, can be used for up to 28 days. It's a convenient, easy-to-use, and wallet-friendly option. 
Plus, we deliver it free right to your doorstep with free returns. No more back and forth to doctor's appointments. Also, if you have a sleep disorder, we provide remote appointments that fit your schedule with no travel needed. A prescription for therapy is also provided without the need to spend multiple nights in a sleep lab. Last, it's a great tool for gaining actionable insights on how to improve your sleep. Visit us at startwithsleep.com to schedule yours today.